When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken here alongside David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. As you can hear, I'm, I'm very hale and hearty doing the, the Seinfeld belly button voice, which is always fun to do. Which, as we know, is really funny, then it gets a bit annoying, but then it comes all the way back round to being funny again. Hello! La la la. Uh, Huddersfield Town beat Nottingham Forest, didn't they? How was that for you? Yeah, it was good. It was very good. I think, I, you know, we'll pick out various bits from the performance, but it's nice to be able to talk about a win and little peep behind the curtain for, for our listeners. It's certainly very nice to have new things to talk about, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I think if there had been another, even a nil-nil would have been preferable to another defeat, I think, in terms of things to write about, things to talk about, because as we talked about last week, it was a lot of the same old problems, a lot of the same old issues, and frankly, it was getting a bit dull for us as as much as it was for you. So it's, uh, yeah, certainly nice to have a win. I mean, we need to say right off the bat, because we did with uh, with Norwich and Brentford, that, you know, Norwich and Brentford were good sides who played well on the day, particularly Brentford, less so Norwich. But Nottingham Forest are look like a poor team who played pretty appallingly on, yeah, on Friday I, afternoon. I, th- I think you're exactly right to say that because there's, I mean, we're going to draw loads of positives from it with with a few caveats along the way. But Forest were were wretched. They they looked like a team who were playing to get their manager sacked. To me, they they really were bad, and they. We had a bit of insight before from a Nottingham Forest supporting journalist friend of ours called Daniel Story, who was telling us all day via WhatsApp that Forest would lose, and we 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 they've just got such an intimidating team sheet that when mm. you look at it and you look at the bench, you think, well, they've just surely they've got too much here. But yeah, he was right; they were they were utterly wretched. Yeah, that all said, though Huddersfield Town were were also better. Yeah. Um, Significantly better, I thought. They 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 played Alex Pritchard further forward as a as a number ten in in what I would say, Dave, is a four two three one. Yeah, really, have finally <laughs> won that argument. Yeah, I Pritchard's position was what it, it, the thing is. We've joked about this. We, me, and Steve have had an argument whether it's a four three three or a four two three one, and it's a little bit of both in reality. It's it's not clearly defined like you said Steve it's sort of two sixes at the base and Pritchard as a 10 but it's not quite a sort of true 4-2-3-1 really because no, the wingers are up alongside the forward you've not got the wingers playing either side of the 10 you've got both of them either side of the forward and I commented to you it's a bit like when I, when I was looking at Carol Lighting, I, I looked into how Ajax play to see how that might translate over to Huddersfield and that, that's more or less how Ajax play they play with, with with two sixes and a ten but the front three are definitely a front three rather than two mm. uh, like wing like out and out wingers like you'd get in a four two three one. Yeah, and they who must not be named down the road 
uh, play with a three up front with a, a nominal ten behind as well, don't they? So yeah. there there is some there is some thinking behind this, but it was if you look at certainly if you look at like the average position maps etc it was certainly close to a 4-2-3-1 but yeah i think we're going to have to accept with this manager that things are never going to be uh completely easy to define um maybe the the probably easiest thing to define of that entire game was Jonathan Hogg's early tackle on Harry Arter, which <laughs> I would define very much as a red card. Yeah, as I put in the live blog at the time, I had messages from a neutral, a Forest fan and a Town fan immediately after that tackle, and all of them said he should have been sent off for that. And it was impossible to argue. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's... he's... He's trying to win the ball, but he's completely over the top. He knows that he's he's likely to catch the player, and I think he gets away with it just because there's so many sort of bodies in the way. Because you know he's coming into was it in Benza was it who lost the ball, um, mm. and and there were sort of you know two other players around, and I think that's the only reason he got away with it. But yeah. he was very very lucky there. There's also I think there was a player sort of who was slightly obscuring the referee's sight line. I don't know who it was. Um, yeah. But so <laughs> there's there's reasons for it. But I mean, did you see Arta's shin afterwards? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we've got little monitors at the stadium and, and they were showing what I think was basically the, the feed from Sky. And yeah, it was uh, it was not a pretty sight. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But I think that was a, <laughs> that was a classic case of like... Jonathan Hogg wanting to set the tone and he has there is a running battle with Arta there and Arta has has wound up several members of the Huddersfield Town squad previously but I think he just got that one all wrong to be perfectly honest with you I think what he was actually trying to do was a, a typical leave a bit on him tackle but you know, something fairly fair, and he just got it all wrong, basically, and he ended up going high and then raking down. It just, it wasn't good, but he got away with it, and I think because Huddersfield Town had started positively and they were on the front foot and they were high energy, I think that's another reason why he slightly got away with it, because I think the referee just thought, well, it's just in, in you know, in, in completely in character with how this team is playing at the moment, and mistimed over uh, you know anything intentional which I'm I'm not totally sure about but from that point things get good they do yeah I mean just on that it's a sh- as we said in the the chat beforehand it's a shame that that was the midfield battle because it would have been much better if we'd had Bakuna and Arta and uh, and Hogg and Sow but there we go you can't have it all can you no Bakuna and Arta what a wonderful phrase hmm um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it was it was a yeah much better performance from Huddersfield Town. As I say, having Alex Pritchard in at, at number ten was made a big difference. Everything in the first half sort of went through him. He was notably playing a lot narrower than he has done previously, and a lot higher as well. So off the ball, he was basically going in as a second striker alongside Campbell, similar to what Lewis O'Brien did against West Brom last season, funnily enough. And uh, and was if you look at his touch map, which I included in the, the five conclusions, or I think it was the, the positions he made passes from, actually, rather than touches, because I wanted to take sort of clearances and things like that out of it. If you look at that map, though, against Brentford and Norwich, he keeps getting stuck on the left wing, and I think that stopped Harry Toffolo getting forward or Jaden Brown in the second half against Brentford that stopped the left backs from getting forward as much as they would have liked to they, they barely got past the halfway line on the left hand side of town against Brentford but by moving Pritchard just that 
that well quite a lot more centrally to be honest it allowed the the left back Harry Toffolo to to get up the wing a lot more and get up that flank with and it allowed Josh Caroma to and that allowed in turn Josh Caroma to cut inside a lot more as well so mm. and and we saw how that ended up because obviously Toffolo goes up the left hand side gets to the byline 10 minutes into the second half and creates the goal from there really nice pass from from Isaac and Benza has to be said to uh, to to release Toffolo nice one two between the two of them and but it wasn't just that goal that it made the difference it was sort of every move went through Pritchard and he didn't you know he still is a long way from his best um that we that we talked about in previous episodes but it was a significant improvement and it really, really helped out. I also thought Fraser Campbell being back in the front line obviously made a, a huge difference as well. It's funny how when you have an actual striker playing at centre-forward, you, you, your whole team does a lot better. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I've, I've talked on this podcast before of my um, dismay to see Pritchard popping up in full-back positions, basically, as cover for the full-backs. And I know there's certain games where you have to play deep and you have to dig in, but that's just it's just not where Alex Pritchard can be effective. Or, to be perfectly honest with you, it's just not where he can help out because he's not a tackler, he's not defensive-minded, he's not great at being spatially aware when he's on the back foot. I would you disagree want... that he's not a tackler, to be honest. I think he's I think he's actually quite... I think he's better in the press than he gets credit for it a lot of the time. But <sighs> I take your point. He's, he's not a, he's not a Lewis think... O'Brien who's going to chase back and make a big sliding tackle yeah I uh, and I think he's a bit of a Paul Scholes to be honest I think every every tackle in air quotes ends up being a foul um but what he what he can do is he can face goal and he can play people in and he can control the ball and he what he wants to do is control and pass Alex Pritchard doesn't want to be running at players and taking them on. He wants to be a facilitator. He wants to be getting the ball to other people in better positions. Mm. And it was a very conscious decision to push him as close as he was to that front three. And yeah, it, it worked. It worked. And like the goal, I think you're right to point out, the sort of freedom it gave Toffolo and I think there was a lovely disguise from Mbenza on the ball back to Toffolo. Yeah. But it was just, if you take the goal out of it, it was just a far better... Everybody in that forward line felt a lot more in sync than they have been, I would argue, ever, really. Um, it just all seemed to flow a bit better and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that. I think... The, the at its very core level at its very basic level it's just about energy and adrenaline and and physically running more you know getting into spaces and getting into channels and getting into areas where you can actually hurt people i i think it's worth noting that Fraser Campbell went back to being a striker rather than being mm. essentially the first defender against Forest. In that there were several times when Town were on the front foot, where what what strikers always taught to do is you make one run for the defender and then you make another run for yourself. Um, mm. And he hasn't been doing that because he's largely been tasked with trying to win the ball, trying to set the press, and. It, it was far better for him to be able to do all those things, which he can do and which we know he can do, but also have licence to try and attack, also have licence to try and get into goal-scoring positions, and it and it worked. You're a massive fan of Campbell. I'm a fan of Campbell apart from his scoring record. 
I think his his but I think it, there are reasons for that. As I said, I think he's almost been played as the first defender rather than a striker. So long may that continue, really. But I think when Hogg went off with injury, I think it's also worth saying that there was a lot more balance to that midfield. I thought, um, and I wonder if that's. It's not the way you want to find out, but I do wonder if that's been a confirmation of anything anybody was thinking on the bench. Not that Jonathan Hogg hasn't got a role going forward, but if you want to play against teams who want to play football like Forest, um, you need passers and you need people mm. who can take the ball on the turn and look forward. Um, and I'm just not sure Johnny Hogg can do that anymore. He was clearly trying when I watched the game back on, mm. on Saturday morning, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I, th- I it, thought it's they not were. his game, and when you're in your sort no. of, you, you know, when you when you're in the, he's probably got what two years left before he's going to have to sort of consider his options, etc. Football wise, and very difficult at that point to just sort of radically alter your game, isn't it? Yeah, it's, no one's having a go at him um, no. at all by saying that, but it's, um, yeah. It, and, and as you say, I think there are going to be games that it really suits him. We've talked about Carol Iting and, and whether they need to manage his, his minutes over the season to come and whether that might mean Hogg gets more opportunities. But, um, yeah. I, but there's an argument as well that there's going to be games where you say to Hogg, like, I, I, don't, I hate to use the phrase, but like, you're the water carrier here. Mm. I think I just want you to look forward. I want you to do a minimal amount of shielding. Hog, I want you to just play in that channel and I want you to bite people's legs and win the ball. And you, immediately all I want you to do is just look in the six, yard, six yards around you and just see where Icing is and play the ball straight to him. So it's not like I think there's not a role for him going forward. But like Forrester, a team who like to play football and pass a lot and pass along the floor and that's where you need your sort of passes and your people who can look forward and break the line so he's going to get plenty of football this season Jonathan Hogg you know he's not, it's not like I'm writing him off or anything like that but yeah I think there was there was noticeably a sort of better balance to that midfield and I thought Bakuna was was comfortable as well next to Iting just we've talked about Bakuna before and how he, he can sort of the game just happens around him. And the thing is, I don't think he really took that game by the scruff of the neck on Friday, but what he did do was just become sort of quietly efficient, which is quite unusual for him. But I thought it was a decent it was a decent performance. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that saying there was a better balance in the second half is probably as much a criticism of Bakuna as it is Hogg, because after Hogg went off, I mean, we're saying it's 4-2-3-1, but Hogg was definitely the deepest lying player. It was it was more like, you know, you had Hogg lying very, very deep. Let it deep. go, Stephen. Let it go. <laughs> no, I'm just describing the <laughs> you had Hogg lying extremely deep and you had Pritchard very high and then you had Bakuna sort of somewhere in the middle. And after Hogg went off, Bakuna dropped back to that number six role and Iting was the player who was getting forward a lot more. Um, and I thought it was uh, interesting that, that that Corbrand decided to go with Hogg as the six, rather, uh, sorry, with with Bakuna as the six rather than Iting because we've talked about Iting as the six and talk, talked about him as a, uh, a quarterback and talked about the fact that at Ajax he has been the player who's dropped in and split the centre-backs. But that isn't how Corbrand chose to play him. He put Bakuna in that role for the second half after Jonathan Hogg went off. And... As you say, I thought I thought Bakuna actually did pretty well in that role. I'm not entirely convinced it's a role that he especially enjoys playing, but I think it 
forces him to be more disciplined than 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 he would be otherwise and i think that's genuinely what he needs i think he longer term he could actually benefit from playing in that role a bit more um just to to get that that discipline into his game of course the flip side of that is if he does lose his discipline playing in that role you're knackered yeah Um, but but, devil's advocate to that is you bring iting on who's not played a lot of football over the last Mm. year and is sort of nominally recovering from an injury so you're you're wanting him you're wanting him to to just get some minutes in his legs and hopefully contribute in the first couple of games but it's more important just to get him up to speed more than anything else dropping him into the sixth position in his in his first game against a very good forest side you probably would play him a little bit higher if you could to just yeah. take him out of that sort of maelstrom that you often get just in front of the back too and, and get a bit and get a bit more running into his legs as well I yeah that, that, that's exactly it so i think with iting i think there were a lot of people who <laughs> who perhaps have gone a little bit over the top i've seen a lot of aaron moy comparisons and I've seen a lot of people say it, saying he's going to get 15 to 20 assists this year, which I think That's, is yeah, come on. pretty bold. Um, mm. But, you know, he again, he looked tidy. He looked efficient. There was mm. one moment, you know, first, I think early in the second half where he rolled and turned and played the ball all in one motion, which is exactly what town need because we've talked about it before. It's getting that passer that immediately looks forward, that immediately looks... Uh, for people like Diakarbian and Benza, for them to be effective, they need to be able to run into spaces and feel like they're actually going to get the ball. So, yeah, he, he looked good. But just to go back a touch, worth talking about that back too, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, Stearman and Critchlow. And Critchlow was slight surprise selection. We we thought Naby Saar might play, although Corbran did warn us. He, he did say, you know, it would be a gamble to put him in on the back of base of two days training and bear in mind he's had he's not had a pre-season um because he's been without a club so he's in a, a similar position to what Danny Simpson and Fraser Campbell were last year and I think we saw with them that there was a certain point where well Campbell barely ever completed 90 minutes and and Simpson sort of ran out of steam so I think Corbran probably is right to try and manage Naby Sarr a bit and Critchlow did really, really well, considering that it was his first championship start. I thought um, Forrest didn't pose a huge number of questions to Georgia Seal Town, so I would stop short of saying it was a brilliant defensive performance just because he didn't have too much to do. But everything he did have to do, he did well. He didn't make any errors. He didn't really put a foot wrong, Critchlow, to be fair to him, and nor did Stearman. Um, no, so... I, th- I, thought, I thought it was interesting that Forrest, obviously, when they saw that team sheet, it was quite clear that they told Lyle Taylor to play on Critchlow and, and basically mm. try and bully him, and Critchlow stood up to that. I, I was slightly worried before. I, I've I've been critical of Critchlow. This, his first couple of appearances coming on against Brentford and Rochdale, I, I, I didn't think he looked up to speed at all. I thought he was really good. I thought Stearman helped him because I thought Stearman was... Uh, he felt to me like he was a little bit a man on a mission after that. Norwich mistake um, and I thought he was excellent Stearman and what was interesting was we have perhaps naively sort of classed Stearman as, as your get anything in front of the ball defender um, your last last ditch warrior type and 
he was really effective about basically just stepping out of defence with the ball um, mm-hmm. and, and getting it to the midfielders and, and there are a couple where he pinged it wide as well so hope for Stearman yet because I know uh, there are sort of a group of town fans who who essentially written him off completely I don't think like long term two or three years that he's probably got a future with the way that Corbran potentially wants to play with his his back four and they need to get a younger defender in there but yeah I mean he's he's certainly good enough for the right now and that's that's all town need at this very moment isn't it yeah I think I think Stearman has been consistently good other than the mistake against Norwich I think he's actually been consistently good and the this Millwall season. game I'm talking about this season but yeah, yeah I mean the, the Millwall game he was horrendous um, <laughs> the last day of last season but no I mean in terms of this season um you know, considering he started pre-season by making a mistake in the first minute that led to a goal, um, and it was like, oh god, is he is he going to carry on where he left off against Millwall? But he's been he's actually been one of Town's better performers, I would say, Stearman. Um to the point where I think it gives Corbran a bit of a headache because you know if assuming you know as and when Sar is ready to start playing, does he does he actually? bring Schindler in to, to partner Saar or does he does he stick with Stearman because mm. I think he's actually been been playing really well um, and has been visibly as you say making the effort to try and show at the age of 33 no I, I can I can adapt you know we talked about yeah. you know Jonathan Hogg struggling to adapt but Stearman we've definitely seen signs and and we have from Hogg as well to be fair it's worth saying but um, we've definitely seen signs from Stearman that that he's tra- trying to show that he's got other strings to his bow um, which I think is the point you're making. So I think um, it, with Sar, it's just such a shame that the the league cup is structured the way it is, and that um, Town are out because yeah. it would. It, what you'd really love is that league, midweek league cup performance where you can play Sar and a couple of others, to be frank, and just get ninety minutes in their legs. Because mm-hmm. at some point you're going to have to sort of pitch Sar into a championship game now, but. There's, they've got the they've got the B team games though, um, yeah. Which is this is part of the reason they've gone to the B team. I mean, if you if you look at the B team that that played on Saturday against Boston, it yeah. was it was. I mean, Jaden Brown started that game having played the last mm. sort of ten minutes on Friday night, and there are a few others who were in the squad on Friday who then played for the B team on the Saturday. So I, I suspect we'll see Nabisar in there soon enough. Yeah, yeah. But it was it it, it was good because I think. What was interesting is I think we already said how bad Forest were, but Town have got to capitalise on that, and Town have got to have got to make hay while the sun shines. And I think there were still some of the problems that they've had before, but it was good to see them actually get you know get a result over the line. And like we can sit here and we can pick holes in it, and we can say, oh, you can't rely on Fraser Campbell to score a worldie every week to win you the game and you can't rely on playing a team who are you know massively out of form and what have you but it feels big it feels big to get a performance and to get three points over the line and to the the mood of the fans has changed instantly as well which is is good to see because we know football is a fickle business but there we've we've a couple of our podcasts that we've done recently, we have been not overtly negative, but we have spent a long time pointing out where the issues are. And we've both talked about it off the record. Basically, we wanted to set the baselines. We wanted to say this is where this is 
the things that town need to improve this is where they are right now and this is a performance that while it wasn't perfect they've moved the needle in nearly every respect haven't they yeah i mean they were they were top of the xg chart for this weekend um which they were dead bottom the last last couple of weeks i think mm. so that that's definitely encouraging whatever whatever the standard of the opposition was just the fact that they were creating opportunities and that they did create so many chances was you know, if we've criticised them for that over the last couple of weeks, which we very, very definitely have, then it's encouraging to see that they actually did that uh, on Friday night. They actually did, yeah. you know, put chances into into good positions. Because let's face it, I mean, Adama Diakabi should have scored mm. uh, at least one. Um, there was one that I said Pritchard should have scored in the first half. That's actually nonsense. He was he was full pelt trying to run onto that that cross, um, and there's no way he ever would have got there. Actually, so it's a bit. Uh, apologies to Alex Pritchard for that one, but uh, <laughs> but no, I mean Dear Carby should have scored at least one. He had another chance. Everyone's looking at the 88th minute chance, but he had one on about 81 minutes as well. That that he probably sh- at least should have tested the goalkeeper and and didn't do anything with it. And Karoma should have scored the follow up to Dear Carby's as well. And we 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 talked about this as well after the game. You know, Karoma was 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 joking about that on Twitter after the game, saying, oh, my excuse is the keeper made a good stop. Um, but um, those are... We can laugh about it because they won, and who cares? But if it had still been nil-nil at that point, or if Forrest had gone and scored an equaliser, those those things aren't quite so funny. So no. there is there is still criticism there. And I, I think their, their game management, actually, um, was, was pretty poor to be honest, in the yeah. last sort of 10 minutes or so. Corbran made changes. He went to a back back five, really. Um, mm-hmm. Put Toffolo in at centre-back, put Jaden Brown in at, at left-back and basically played a 5-4-1. And, it, and in truth, it was more like a 5-5-0. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was... We got to the 95th minute and Stearman was shouting. I, I imagine you could hear him because I think everyone everyone could. You know, keep it in the effing corner. Um, and they from a throw-in that they had on halfway. The throw-in, sort of, Forrest put it forward off that throw, and Critchlow just belted it into the corner, which was exactly the right thing to do. Pritchard chased onto it, and there's 45 seconds to go, you're 1-0 up, and he sees uh, Karoma's making a run and crosses for him, and Forrest cut it out and go on the counter-attack, and Town had to make, like, three clearances. I mean, they didn't they didn't get any anything like getting a shot on goal, Forrest, because Town defended it well, to be fair to him, but they shouldn't have had to defend... Yeah, like three crosses in the last forty seconds. Um, the thing was, I think it's worth pointing out as well that the cross was so obvious mm. that their keeper set off running before Pritchard had actually, yeah, <laughs> had actually played it to claim the ball. Virtually, well, he was past the penalty spot, wasn't he, and bowling yeah. straight out. So, yeah, I don't think the game management was great. I, I don't think it was anything like a perfect performance. I, I no. think. I think it was a performance that you can look at and say, well, is, I'm going to go into one or two stats about just, just very basic things that just point towards where town want to be. They, they've got a long way to go. And I think there there is there are one or two people who've gone slightly overboard on it. But I think it, it's good. It's, it's That back heel from Pippa is something that town fans haven't seen any one of their players do f- <laughs> for a long time. I mean, like people talk about the David Wagner era, and the, we've talked about it before, the Wagner era was brilliant because they were successful. It wasn't roller coasters and fireworks every week on the pitch. It, it's nice to see a Huddersfield Town player do something like that and get people off their 
off their seats. Mm. You know, if only there was a crowd in to enjoy that sort of thing. And that's 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 the difference. That's what we want to see. The game management was poor. I still think there were one or two areas that the the only the only way I can describe it is there's a bit of a lack of thought at the moment from some players. But yeah, it, it's it's encouraging, and that's where we want to be. And I, I think there's nowhere, <laughs> there's no area of the pitch to feel more positive about after Friday than in goal, because Hamer has come in for so much criticism, so much criticism, and mm-hmm. we've we've not laid into him in the same way that I think other people have, because I don't think we've ever bought into the fact that he's just completely a busted flush or anything like that. But no. There was a couple of saves in there that were exceptional, but just overall, it was just a much, much better performance. I haven't had a problem with his goalkeeping as much as I have with his distribution, and I thought it was notable that he was far simpler in his distribution, which ultimately was much more effective. Yeah, I mean, his distribution out of his hands is... Is, is okay but it's when he's got the ball at his feet he, yeah. he seems to struggle and you know he, he particularly against Brentford he almost um, he almost handed them a goal by kicking it out but yeah I mean the, the HDSA did the poll after the game for who was the man of the match and, and Hamer won it which mm. is um, quite a turnaround because Road to Damascus <laughs> yeah exactly it, it really is a turnaround because when we did our poll at the end of last season and we said which of these players who have been out on loan um who are coming back are you do you think would you most like to see in the starting lineup kind of thing yeah and Hamer was rock bottom he got less than you know we, we talk about Diacarbian and Benza and he was he got less than them um so people were really really not happy at the prospect of, of Hamer starting we still when we do our fans pick the team thing every week, the the team selector widget that where we do our predicted lineup, the fans can pick their team. People are still picking Pereira um, mm. over Hamer, and I would be surprised now if uh, if they picked Pereira over Hamer going into the Rotherham game actually, because the, I mean again. It's not like Forrest were peppering the goal and he made six world-class saves, but he made two really good stops. And yeah, one of them, the first half stop, really was exceptional. Yeah, turning to, it over the bar, yeah. Yeah, to, from that distance, because that was... what you The saves you really want your goalkeeper to make are the ones that they shouldn't. That's what really separates the good from the... The good from the bad, and that's mm-hmm. that's the save I would argue that the goalkeeper shouldn't make in sort of seven out of ten situations. Because yeah. to be frank, it's a good strike from the from the striker. Um, so it, it's it feels like that's the first time he's done that as well. It f- feels like that's the first <sighs> yeah. time we've had a real. It was, it was the Leicester game, wasn't it, towards the end of the Premier League, where it was. Uh, I think th- they won four one Leicester, and I think two, maybe three of the goals were. Yeah, you would uh, you would question Hamer's keeping on it. Well, I've, I'm not I'm not going to speak out of turn or say too much about it, but one of the reasons we haven't sort of absolutely hammered him is because clearly there was a a, a mental issue there. Clearly he was. Scared is maybe not the wrong word, but it's that 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 thing of 
instead of concentrating on what you need to do, you're concentrating on not making a mistake. And they are two very, very different modes of thought. Um, and you need to, you need to, it, it's that whole thing across the whole Huddersfield Town team in that you need to be able to take risks and make mistakes to actually go forward, to actually proceed. And I, we, I did mention that I think playing without a crowd is probably going to help him. And, a couple more performances like that, and I, I think he'll be absolutely fine. He, what he needs to do is get to that point where he can make a mistake and just shake it off and be absolutely fine, rather than yeah. it living with him. And that performance he, would he, have just done the power of good, I would imagine. Because he is going to make mistakes. Because again, he's we a goalkeeper. All the, they all yeah, do. exactly. He's a goalkeeper and he's a championship goalkeeper, and you know that they will make mistakes. It it happens. It's it's that we talked about this a bit with Camel Grabara last last season when there was a run of games where I think he made sort of two or three errors in the space of, of half a dozen games, something like yeah. that. And we was and the same thing holds true now as it did for Grabara then, which is you would expect a goalkeeper to make mistakes that, that lead to goals somewhere between like three and five times a season and that would be okay. Like it's it might cost you points, but it's gonna happen and you'll benefit from it from other goalkeepers. Like that is fine. But it's as you said, it was Hamer was at a point where if he made one mistake, people were already had already given up on him. And if yeah. he made one mistake, people would be like, sell him. <laughs> yeah. Sell him tomorrow. And it's not a nice position for a player to be in. So yeah, I mean it's it's, it's and I thought it's it, it is a way. start. And it, and I thought he commanded his box really well actually. He's he's really loud. Um he's it's interesting on being in the empty stadiums and, and him and Stearman are the two voices you hear more than anyone else I would say he's he's absolutely screaming um, directing his defence um, at, at moments Ben Hamer and he seems to be getting more and more confident those shouts are getting sort of less less frantic and mm. a bit more sort of assured now which is good to see yeah I think that before I go on and we'll just talk about a few stats and what have you I think the last thing just to touch on is just the just the sheer amount of work that Towns bench did to get that performance particularly first half I thought was was so interesting to see because it feels like they took the Rochdale game as pre-season which which you were you were sort of a you mentioned and were an advocate of and I I I see that I think the Norwich and Brentford games I don't think they wrote them off but I think they knew they were up against opposition who were going to stop them doing the things they wanted to do but right from the first minute, there was there was just basically a, a sort of relay between Corbyn and his two assistants, just literally talking the team through the game, adjusting people's positions constantly, to the point where they were they were at one point with Bakuna, they were literally just moving him five yards back and five yards forward in certain positions, just really going back to basics. And I'm not saying this to be patronising, but that's exactly what town need. They do need to be told, no, you stand there, you don't stand there. Because standing there is the difference between being able to receive the ball in space and being able to receive the ball under pressure. So it was so interesting to see just the... the it wasn't done in a hand-holding way. It wasn't done in a, you know, there was there was one performance last season where Danny Cowley tried to talk Bakuna through the entire game, and it was it was just it got so, I mean, it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. This was more an exercise in reminding them of the things that they had clearly done near constant work on all through the week, and 
it was it was good to see like that these things need to come natural as i said it's not a it was far from a perfect performance but you you got a lot of indicators of where this management team wants this team to be in a very physical sense on the pitch which is defenders to play where they set the line and then midfielders to just physically turn round and look at the opposition goal don't it, it, don't play with your back to goal all the time and that's such it's such a simple thing but it it's it's the one thing that Huddersfield Town haven't done I would argue for about two and a half years just turn and face the right way mm. you know and it's it's good and it's encouraging to see these things uh recognized and to see the see the big impact that having making small changes makes and it, it gives you some encouragement it's still going to be a long season for town with the squad as it is and it's still going to be a tough season for town with the squad as it is but if they can get enough of these marginal gains from very very simple things then the picture looks very very different i think going forward yeah, that's something that, that Fraser Campbell was talking about sort of before and after the game. And he's obviously a big, big fan of, of Carlos Gorbrands. And he was saying, we're starting to see more and more of the stuff from the training ground is coming onto the pitch on a Saturday. And I think that is enormous for the players to, to, to feel like they're making progress because mm. there must be absolutely nothing worse than than spending all week working and particularly the, the intensity that, that Corbran has them working at by all accounts and then just getting there on Saturday and, and just nothing's happening. Just so, at the human level, they just want to believe, don't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So for them to... It, it becomes... That's how you get momentum and that's how you get buy-in with the players, I think, is... If they feel like they're seeing the rewards for, for the work that they're doing, then they're going to work even harder and then they're going to do even better and then that's going to make them work harder still. So that's that's really encouraging to hear. Um, do you want to run through some of the stats you've got there, Dave? Yeah, I'm not going to bore people to death and I'm not going to go like with anything really too in-depth. In the chat we've had about XG, you'll be pleased to know, is all we're going to mention is that they, they were top of the table for the weekend and... That is much, much better. They underperform their XG, which is where they want to be, really, because it shows you've got more to come. But just really, really simple stuff. They were fourth in the division for total shots on the match day, which you had Blackburn ahead of them, who had a crazy game against Derby. Absolutely bonkers game by all accounts, and they're flying at the moment. Swansea and Bristol, who are two teams who play on the front foot, and then you've got Huddersfield Town. They were second for shots on target behind Blackburn, which it, it just, at a really basic level, it just shows you the intent. It just shows you that they're shooting more, which football's a simple game. If you shoot more, you score more. That's that's really as simple as it needs to be. And it's a long time since Town have troubled this end of the stats for things like that. They had the second highest passing accuracy in the division um, at 82%, which was level with Swansea. Uh, Swansea are a very, very good passing side. They were beaten only by Norwich, who again had an absolutely bonkers game against Bournemouth, where they had, I think it was something ridiculous, like about 62% of the possession and made over like nearly 600 passes and didn't win. <laughs> an absolutely vintage mm-hmm. championship game, basically. That that's terrific from town. That's again really where they need to be. And in three games now, they've outperformed their passing accuracy average for the the whole of last season. And that again just shows the levels are raising. The, the 
these are the things they really, really need to get better, and they are the basics, and this shows they are doing that. They were they were sick for tackling, which, again, they've been nowhere near for a long time, and I think that just shows the, the intensity, the energy, the, the higher levels of everything there were. And I think the, the last one I'm going to mention, which I think is really, really interesting, is they were actually seventh on the match day across the championship for complete passes. And the teams above them, again, were all were teams you would expect to be above them. Norwich, who I've just spoke about, had that crazy game. Derby, Swansea, Brentford. But the most interesting one above them is Forest. Forest had, had more possession and had 382 passes completed to Huddersfield Town's 339. Mm. And what that shows you more than anything else is Town are doing the, the, the really significant thing they need to change, which is their possession is less sterile. They're, they're doing yeah. more with it. They're, they're, the fact that Town have had far, far higher stats for completed passes than this, far, far higher, because defender gets the ball, plays it to another defender, who plays it to a midfielder who's looking back towards his own keeper, who plays it back to the keeper or plays it to a defender. That's that's what you want is less of the ball, but do more with it. Be more effective with it. And the fact that they've come away with a higher XG, but less completed passes than their opposition just shows that they actually did more with the ball. They used physically used it better. And these... It's a tiny sample size. We can't get carried away. We can't get carried away. And again, I can't tell you how bad I thought Forrest actually were on the <laughs> night. But these are all... Where the other week we set the sort of boundaries of how bad things were, it's important that we now go... These are all indicators that things are trying to be pushed in the right way that there is a, a will and a desire to identify the really basic problem of just attack more which is the thing that we've said now for two years just attack more take more shots get on the front foot play with some energy big differences big big differences so what is absolutely vital though Steve what is is absolutely massive is they've got to back this up in the next game they they can't tumble off a cliff they've got to 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 keep that momentum going and keep the belief in the players they've got to really go out there and perform in the next game and if you look at the sort of the really raw stats I've been through which again they're just really basic indicators that suggests to me that there's no reason why they shouldn't yeah and that is encouragement and I mean I, I feel like we've used the word encouraging about 50 times over the weekend but but that is what it is and I'm glad you mentioned there you know the the, the fact that pass completion rates and and uh, pass success rates can be deceptive because yeah. you can you know it's I remember Brendan Rogers's Liverpool who would play a billion passes a game and and have you know and and get nowhere near scoring and it's it's that sterile stuff i mean we've we've talked about it before last season as well when town have had more of the ball they've generally struggled when they had less of the ball they've they've generally done well and it was yeah, I mean they actually had had more possession than Brentford at Brentford and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything with it. So no. as you one say of the, one, one of the highest individual passing performances in Premier League history is it's one of Liverpool's defenders. It might it may be Van Dijk, it may not. Um against Huddersfield Town at at 
it was the home game and it was where uh, Huddersfield Town offered absolutely nothing. I think it was, I can't remember whether it was first season or second season, but they just retreated into their own half. I think they lost 3-0 in the end. And one of the Liverpool defenders put in one of the highest individual passing performances in Premier League history, quite simply because all that was happening was he was either getting the ball from the goalkeeper and just playing it into midfield or because there were sort of two lines of five players in front of him, he was just playing it to a midfielder who was knocking it back to him. He was then playing it to a fullback who was knocking it back to him. So you're you're exactly right, so these things can be can be deceptive. What it's encouraging to see is that your XG is up, yeah. but your completed passes are lower than your opposition. So you exactly. just it, yeah. it, in the rawest terms, you're just using the ball better. You yeah, just exactly. You, and ultimately, this is this is. <sighs> I you, I don't want to repeat myself, but the problems with town are the real basic ones. You know, face the goal, get on the front foot, pass forward more, take more shots, get into space better. These are like it, it sounds almost patronising to say it, but these are the things that historically town have have suffered with for for two years. So it's good to see that Corbyn who. We're led to believe is sort of a highly technical, very tactical manager who wants certain things, and we've talked about the difficulty in laying his formation down. But it's good to see that he's essentially stripping this team back to basics. Yeah. Are there any particular individuals, Dave, that that you feel encouraged by? I know we've we've talked about a few there. We've talked about Ben Hamer and and so on, and Richard Stearman. But are there any other individuals who make you feel? like this team is going in the right direction who, who you feel like a, have, have raised their game a lot this season well I, I think and I, I, again I've said it on the podcast before I've always said that Josh Caroma is a good player he's, he's, when Town picked him up his scouting stats etc were like off the charts he was he was a very, very good pickup, um, and I think now you're seeing the benefit of that. I think he's he's always had a really good engine. He's always been like a really, really willing runner, but he's he's put some muscle on, so he's not getting knocked off the ball, and he really has taken to that Carl and Grant role of mm-hmm. cutting in from the left and trying to work shooting opportunities really, really well. And it's quite clear that there, there's a player there that I think Carlos Corbran obviously believes he can work with longer term. And the, the putting Pritchard closer to that front three, as you just explained, to give Toffolo the, the freedom of an entire flank to Marshall really, helps both wide players um, to give them a little bit more licence. But it, I think Karoma's not the only one. I think you can just see... That there, there's going to be certain players in certain positions who are going to be incredibly important going forward. I, I mean, talk to me about the fullbacks, Steve. Yeah, Harry Toffolo and Pippa, we've we sort of mentioned them a bit already, but it was clear right from the off in pre-season that Corbran wants his players to get into the byline before they cross. He doesn't want to see any more of those sort of aimless crosses from deep. If, yeah. yeah, if they can possibly help it. Because the problem with those crosses from deep as well is that... Um, even if someone gets on the end of it with a header, you've got so much work to do to try and get any pace onto the ball and try and try and get it in. And it's quite ob- it's quite apparent that he wants the fullbacks getting to the byline um, and getting into the box as well. Yeah, um, he's he's looking for underlaps out of his fullbacks rather than overlaps. I would say. And again, mm-hmm. that's how the the goal was made. It was, you know, Toffolo played it 
out wide to Wimbenza and then made a diagonal run into the box, received the ball back. As we said, it was a really nice uh, sort of no-look pass from Wimbenza to to find Toffolo and and then just straight onto the penalty spot for Fraser Campbell. And... Pippa as well going forward. You mentioned that sort of that backheeled nutmeg. That that was that <laughs> that was really nice. I, I mean, it's a shame that he that he then dived to try and win a penalty after it. Mm. But you know, you can't have everything, I suppose. But no, I mean, the, the fullbacks are going to make a a big difference because those those it's all about getting the numbers forward and try to sort of turn it into what every side is is trying to do in modern football now which is almost turn the attack into like a 2-3-5 um you know that that man city liverpool barcelona you know all these teams are doing it and that's what they, is... they weirdly they're also but they're also implied as markers aren't they this mm. is this is the thing that as soon as town drop out of position the fullbacks on either side are basically tasked particularly Toffolo because of his pace is basically picking up the opposition 10 or nominally yeah. the the opposition's most creative player and it, like they become so important I mean they need to be so fit like ridiculously marathon running levels of fit don't they which we know Harry Toffolo is and yeah. and the other thing that has to happen to make that work is the wingers have to get back and basically become the fullbacks yeah um, which which they have been doing to be fair to him I mean and Benza was really good at that to be yeah. fair I, I, I thought Friday night was his best minutes in a town shirt by quite a long way and I yeah. still don't think it was anything like a perfect performance we still had a couple of couple of moments like the the simple control that went out for a throw in and a couple mm. of others but he was just a lot more controlled and a lot more um i said to you before the game in the warm-up he just looked very very different he his body language was really really good he was it was much more relaxed much just seemed in a, a much better place and yeah you know he lovely disguise on that ball back to Tuffalo for the goal as well he was the one who when I re-watched it on on Saturday morning he stood out to me more than he had done on on Friday night because um I, th- I think I've said this on the podcast before and it's no major secret but obviously during the game you're working particularly on a on an evening game because you've got to get your reporting for the final whistle which means you have to be sort of writing during the game so sometimes there are some games where you don't get to look up very much and uh, and sometimes that means you sort of it just so happens that you miss everyone's best you know a certain player's best moments and I think that's what happened with with Mbenza for me on Friday night and yeah I was really impressed with him on on Saturday morning um, as you say it still wasn't a nine out of ten performance from him but it was it was a seven and maybe even seven and a half and. And he's That's, had precious few of them. Yeah, exactly. And he's not been and he's not been doing them. Um, no. So there is, you know, I asked you which player makes you feel encouraged, and Karoma sprang to mind for me. But but yeah, and Benza as well. I think we we have sort of. You mentioned his, his sort of his change of attitude there, and I I think that's been evident from from preseason onwards. Um, that sorry, I think that's been evident from the start of the season onwards that he's he's come back to Huddersfield Town and he's he's determined to do well. I, I think he's I think he's realised that that he needs to make this work. Really, he's not a bad player. You go back and look at his his goal scoring rate um, at Montpellier. He he actually, you know, made a, quite a big contribution to a side that was overperforming there. So they signed him for a reason, and hopefully, we're going to see more of that out of him. 
it's diff- it's difficult for us with a lot of respects because I'm always conscious of the fact that when we talk about stuff like this on the podcast, we are we are at the games and we are seeing it live, and it is very very different watching it on TV because um, you don't like I said to you, you don't really see what's outside the picture frame. Um, whereas when you're at the game, you can see the sort of shifts and the tactical stuff, and you can see the bench walking the team through the first half and all that sort of thing but i just i just feel that the one thing i came away from friday feeling was not really about individuals it was about the collective and that's that the last even the promotion season under wagner the whole point of the team the whole setup the whole tactical way of playing was all about millimeters it, mm. it was all about trying to gain that tiny marginal advantage in in one area of the pitch this is a team that it feels like after friday they're not interested in the millimeters they they're they're interested in the miles they want to ask questions they it's it's not about trying to find that that two minutes in a game where you can affect it it's more about saying to an opposition this is how we play this is what we want to do what you're going to do about it that that is a sea change that will cause some issues going forward in the next few months there will be some bad performances because unless you've got a sort of perfect team and a perfect setup which we know town haven't it doesn't just click straight away so there could be a couple of real stinkers at some point and they could lose quite heavily at some point as well but i think just the collective going forward you can see that a a squad is much happier when they feel like they're going out there and causing problems rather than going out there to try and answer all the opposition questions and hopefully be able to nick something so you can see the philosophy and there are individuals I think when you you say like who do you think who do you pick out individually I think there are individuals who are going to absolutely flourish under that I think there's one or two who might struggle but it's just it's going to be interesting going forward because they have this in the bank now and they have a lot of goodwill and they have changed the mood around watching Huddersfield Town certainly for the next game but they've got a they've got a double down on it now and they they really do need a good performance next up this is just what I was going to say we, we've we've had we've we've been very positive over the last sort of hour or so but we need to remember this is just one game and and yeah. the same way that we said you know Brentford and Norwich you know they're they're just one game we, we want this has given us an idea of the baseline but you know they can improve from here and it's about what they do for the rest of the season rather than these games in particular and that is equally true of this this forest win because um if they now go and lose the the next six, they'll still have had a better start to the season than last year. But um, <laughs> but but we but we won't be but we won't be looking back at this Forest game going. Oh yeah, but remember that Forest game? They were better in that, weren't they? So that's encouraging. They they need to. My my sort of main takeaway from this on on Saturday morning was, or on Friday night, sort of going into Saturday morning was, this needs to be sort of their minimum level now, yeah. like because we we talked a lot last season about how they were very all or nothing. Even when the Cowleys had them playing well, they could then go and lose five two the next game. And what they, I feel like. 
the project is to get them to a point where they're a threat to other sides and they're asking questions of other sides and they're you know this this great attacking force this well-oiled machine but i but that's going to take a while to get there i would be surprised you know, if they have got there by just about the end of the season, then I think that's extremely good going, and that that's a positive to take into next season. But I think until they reach that point, if they, the more important thing is to make sure that they don't sort of go below this level, mm. because that that level, that the way they played on Friday, you are in the championship. You're going to win some, lose some, draw some, and it's never going to be sort of three 0 either way, um, and. Town need a bit of that stability. I think that that sort of we the the only two routine wins or the only yeah the only two routine wins they had last season really were against QPR and and Hull maybe mm. something like that. Even Town, Hull was a flurry of late goals. Yeah, really, that, exactly. that made the difference. Town just didn't do routine run of the mill standard no. championship wins last year. They were they were either brilliant or they or they were terrible and. They they need a bit of that, and they, it needs to be as well that even even those games they lose, you come away feeling oh, another day we could have won that because yeah. because when Town lost last season, you were like, oh, they were dreadful. But the same as we, that, yeah, go on. That, that's what I mean about the millimeters and the miles, though. When you are trying to, when you are breaking the the game down into millimeters, then when you when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong. And you're exactly right. When you're wanting to push and ask questions and be about the miles, that's when you do come away going, yeah, you know, on another day, we could have won that if that and that had happened. And I I think one of the best points made about this game over the weekend was your own, really, that this was fine. This was a fine performance. This was, nobody was a 9 out of 10, arguably other than Hamer, I think, was, was up there. But it was fine. It's a baseline. This is where they need to be. Town need a bit of fine. They need a bit of 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10. They mm-hmm. really, really do. So, yeah, it, it, it's encouraging going forward without getting carried away. And you're exactly right. It, it does need to be the baseline performance from here going in in 80% of their games. Finally, Dave, which footballer's face would you most like to get tattooed on your bum? And why is it Bobby Zamora? It's Bobby Zamora. <laughs> And because he is, quite frankly, the greatest striker England have produced. Lovely, very nice. Right, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me as usual, Dave. Uh, you can get Dave at David Hartrick on Twitter. You can get me at Stephen Chicken on Twitter. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Dave? No. Good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>